With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good afternoon and welcome to this fifth Saturday service. Today is October 30th, 2021. And we at Refuge from the Storm Church welcome you to our service. I am going to introduce to you our serving team today. Our re recorded prelude to worship was coming from Sister Sharon Taylor. Our call to worship is offered by myself, Pastor Millicent Black. The Ministry of Music is uh, recorded and will be presented by Sister Helena Thompson and or Sister Sharon Taylor. I, your humble servant, will be offering the invocation. The occasion and presentation will be coming from Sister Sharon Taylor. Altar prayer will be coming from Sister Helena Thompson. Words of encouragement from Reverend Myra Buchanan. Invitation to giving from I, your humble servant. Words of encouragement will be also be coming from Sister Cheryl Miller Harvey the uh, introduction of the speaker by myself. The preached word today will be coming from one of our own whom we have not heard from in, uh, in a little over a year, I think, Reverend Deidre Sterling Williams. We love her so very much. The invitation to discipleship from Sister Greta Ayers. The announcements and closing remarks and benediction from myself, Pastor Millicent Black. All in between, you will be having musical selections that again will be offered by Sister Helena Thompson. Once again, welcome to our service. This is the close of the month of October, but also the uh, celebration of our clergy as uh, the month of October has been pastors and clergy appreciation month. So today we recognize, celebrate and express our love for Minister Juanita Purdy, Elder Carolyn Cunningham, Minister Shante Lydia McKissick, and Pastor and uh, Reverend Terrence and Pamela Wilson. I will also offer, uh, I, I, I guess, an offering of thanks to our advisors who are also pastors and ministers, Reverend Myra Buchanan, Reverend Dr. Linda Johnson, and Reverend Dr. Carmen Cruz. These are members of our advisory board that help us in making our decisions, our business decisions concerning the church and also stands with us and in agreement with us as we operate as a church under the auspices of God, our Father and Jesus, the shepherd of the church. God bless you as we go farther into our service. We will now have a, a selection and then I will come back with invocation.
Then turn in your Bibles, if you would, to chapter six of the book of Hebrews. When I got her text, it was kind of in the middle of a memorial service for a good friend of mine that I shared with you all about three weeks ago of her home going. Um, and I just kind of glanced at it and didn't comprehend what was actually being said. But then I went back and, and after that, I just kind of began to ask God, where shall I go? What should I read? What should I share this afternoon? And I was led back to the verse that is the focus of our, uh, the theme of our clergy and pastor appreciation this month. Faithfulness to God's people is faithfulness to God. He will not forget. And that verse is Hebrews 6.10, but I will be reading from Hebrews chapter six, verse starting at 10, but going through going through verse 18. As I read, I want you to just kind of think about how many times you hear the word promise. Think about how many times you hear the word promise. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work of, and labor of love, which ye have shown toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise. First promise. Verse 13 reads, for when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, surely blessing, I will bless thee, and multiplying, I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise, third promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife, wherein God willingly more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise, fourth promise, the immutability of him, of his counsel confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I just thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for the truth that your word brings into our lives. I thank you for the victory that we have, God, because your word cannot come home empty-handed, but it must accomplish what you please, and it must prosper into the thing whereunto you have sent it. Thank you, Father, for every time you made a promise to Abraham, God, every time you made a promise to the children of Israel, every time you made a promise, God, 
to Joseph and God to the Hebrew boys. God, anytime you made a promise, God, you confirmed it by yourself. God, thank you that because you had no other one upon whom you could rely, God, because there was no other human in the earth, God, that could make a promise and not break it. You swore by yourself, and God, because of that, we rely on you today to keep your promise. God, we thank you now in Jesus' name for being with us, God, for breathing on this, your word, God, for breathing on this, your servant, in Jesus' name. Amen. How many times have we started out on the promise of someone else and only to find out that that promise was empty and their capacity or even sometimes their intentions to keep the promise was null and void? But we as clergy and ministers of the gospel, we as workers in the vineyard and disciples, of Jesus Christ have been able to walk through these days, our days, I would say, since the beginning, since accepting Jesus into our lives and into our hearts as our Lord and Savior, holding on to the promise that one, God would be with us, two, God would not allow us to live our lives in vain, And also that there is a hope of a resurrection of the dead and eternity with God himself. When I began to look and to read these scripture texts with un for understanding, I came to see that there was reference to Abraham and the promise that God made to Abraham. We will remember that Abraham was the one on whom God hinged all of our faith. He was the one on whom, in, in, in whom God had placed the confidence that he could make him the father of many nations and that those who, the seed of Abraham would also be God's family in the world. So I went back to look at Abraham's uh, life and look at the scriptures that were referenced in the section where I read, where I was reading from. I'm kind of going to go back to the beginning to verse 10 and read that uh, those portions of scripture that relate to the promise and talk from there. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. This letter was written to the Hebrews, obviously, and of whom we become through adoption or through grafting in, being engrafted in to the seed, as the seed of Abraham, which ye have showed toward his name and that ye have ministered to the saints. Those of us who are clergy and pastors and even disciples, because if you'll remember, Jesus himself gave the disciples just as much responsibility to share the good news of the gospel, to help others come into the kingdom of the family of God through the good news of the gospel. In fact, Matthew 28, 20 tells us to teach and to baptize. And it doesn't say who is eligible to baptize, 
but it says to remind them of whatever he has said that they might also become disciples. And so God doesn't forget any of us who minister to the saints in his name or in the name of Jesus Christ. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, meaning that we all have a chore to do. I, I remember hearing one of our, uh, I, I, went, I attended a church conference many years ago and the pastor or the preacher that came for, uh, to be our evangelist for that weekend actually was from Houston, Texas. Sister Sharon, and he was a huge man with a little Bible. He used just one of these little handheld Bibles. I mean, the little green Bible that you could stick in your pocket. He would stand up with one of those. And he told us, he said, I like to be long enough to cover the subject, but short enough to keep you interested. And this particular day, he told us about work. And he told us about going to spend the summers with his grandparents and how in the morning, he, they would get up early and go out and do the chores in the in the uh, uh, in the yard, and the chores were, you know, slopping the hogs. I would say, and gathering the eggs and feeding the chickens. Those were chores. And as those chores were being finished, he said they would come back in, sit at the breakfast table where their grandmother had made a big breakfast, and they would they sat and they ate and they enjoyed the food. And then the pastor says, and after breakfast, I got up and left the table and went back to bed. He said, and soon my grandfather came in and said, boy, what are you doing? And he said, well, I went back to bed. And his grandfather says, well, but there's work to do. And he said, oh, but I've already done my work. He says, what you did was chores. The work is in the field. And so I come this afternoon to encourage all of us that we've been doing chores for years, but the work is actually in the field. For those of us who have been targeted and our lives have been uh, blocked, I don't say cut off, but blocked, we have to find other ways to get to the field so that we can accomplish the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, so that we can share his name, so that we can lift up and exalt and magnify God as the creator, as the only one true life and living God. Notice life God and living God, because at this point in, in, in um, time, we seem to be living under what wants to be, I'm not saying is, what wants to be the influence of those who serve Satan and they call themselves a death cult. Well, that's a distinct separation between them and us, right? We serve the living God. We expect to live on the other side of death. We expect to spend eternity alive with the living God who created us. And so, we have, a, we have work to do on our way there, on our way home, is what the old quartet singers used to sing. On our way home, we have to find those who are in need. On our way home, we have to give extend, extend our hand, as I read from uh, Philippians chapter four, extend a hand, a helping hand. Sometimes that helping hand could be in the form of prayer. Sometimes that prayer takes the form of, of supplication or thanksgiving or petitions. 
for those who are in need. And then verse 12 says that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherited the promise. Hebrews 11 talks about those who are, Hebrews 12 talks about those who are encompassed in the hall of faith, the hall of faith. And they endured hardships. And they were graced with the award of having through faith and patience inherited the promises. Now, it did say that some of them actually left here without having inherited the promise. But we also learned that God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. The word says in, he, in Numbers chapter 6, 23, once he's declared a thing, who can annul it? Once he set it into motion, who can set it, turn it back? So once God decreed and declared that those who placed their faith in Jesus Christ would spend eternity with him, Perhaps they did not lay claim to the earthly promise, but we can rest assured that the heavenly promise, that spiritual promise, that promise that allowed them to pass from life un from death unto life has been attained. And then it gets back to, to, to Abraham. For when God made promises to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore or swear by himself. He said, Abraham, I'm going to make you a father. First, he promised to make him a father of many nations. Well, first, he promised to make him a father, then a father of many nations. And Abraham says, how am I going to be a father of many nations? I don't even have a son. But God made him the promise that he was going to have a son. Now, where God gets us is he doesn't always say when the promise will be fulfilled. But what we read in verse 12 is through faith and patience, we inherit the promises. I wager to say that all of us are waiting on God to do some things. God's, we're waiting on God to subdue our enemies. We're waiting on God to stop these uh, weapons from hurting us. We're waiting on God to expose not just the users of the weapons, but the higher ups, those who are, are, are seated in, in high places and supporting and, and some maybe even financing the use of these weapons against God's people. We're waiting on God to reverse some bad uh, decisions. And sometimes we're waiting on him to reverse some not so favorable diagnoses. We wait on God for many things. Sometimes our bank account needs God to speak to it and breathe in it. And if he wants to make a deposit into it, but we wait on God for different things. But we have faith that what God promised, God said, I'll take care of you. He didn't say how he would take care of us. He said, I will. And what we have to know is that he decides how that will come about. So then what he said to Abraham is surely blessing, I will bless thee and multiplying, I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, after Abraham had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. We'll remember the story of Abraham and Sarah and how they, Sarah got in ahead of God because she couldn't see anything coming out of her body. In fact, she called it dead. 
Abraham knew that he was also older than Sarah and where was a baby coming from? Out of those two. God didn't say how, he just said it would happen. Did they patiently wait? I would think not. Sarah came up with a plan. Time was passing. Her circadian clock or her, her clock that was uh, ticking for the in the in the in the realm of child delivery was far past. In fact, the winder on it probably had rusted. And Sarah came up with the idea that Hagar should bear the child. And she did. But was that the son of promise? God was quick to tell Abraham, this is not what I decided. And so they were still made to wait. And then the promise did come. But then there came a time as they raised that child with love and affection and glee. And I would wager to say that they, uh, Sarah was doting on him as a mother will. And Abraham was so proud to have this son of promise. Yet there was this other son that they had gotten, which was the son of disobedience. And God had to send him away. But then I began to think, more deeply and ask God to give me more revelation about the son of promise and about the challenge that God gave Abraham about the son of promise. There came a time when God says, Abraham, I need you to sacrifice to me this son of promise. In fact, I need you to take him up into Mount Moriah and I want you to lay him on an altar and I need you to give him back to me, we're told that that was an example of what God was going to do with his own son. And so I began to think about it. What if Abraham had withheld his hand? What if he had said to God, but I only have one son. I only have one. Sometimes we might say to God, but I only have one dollar. I only had one hour of rest. I didn't get enough sleep last night, God. Just enough money is in my bank account for myself. And yet Abraham was willing to give his only one. And I, I, I thought about that. I thought about how we get calls from people who are needing help. Sometimes it comes to our personal phone. Sometimes it comes through my phone as in the form of a benevolence request. And sometimes our, our temptation is to say, but we only give one time in a year. And God really began to speak to me about that, about how we treat the one that he gives us. Oftentimes, God gives us one chance to say yes. He gives us one chance to give back. Many times, it's just one time that we can pray for that one who's in distress. Sometimes we really do need to tarry one hour. That one hour of prayer could save one life. That one hour of talking to God could save us a whole year of trouble if we make the wrong decision.
What if Abraham had said to God, but I only have one. And yet Abraham started out in obedience. He said it's hard to do what God had said, even if it costed his only one. And so Abraham was willing to give his only son. He was willing to give his only chance for a heritage. He was given his chance for a nation or nations to be called his in honor of God. Abraham was willing to give his chance to be a grandfather of many nations. And he was willing to give his only chance to secure Sarah's future should he leave and she be left alive. You know, we needed a son or a nephew or a brother or a cousin to care for us if we were women in Sarah's time left without a husband or left without a son. Yet Abraham was willing to give his only one. And then it came down for the promise of God to Abraham was, if you trust me, I will make you. If you trust me, I will make you. And I thought back to Romans chapter three, where it talked about Abraham hoped against hope that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. Are we living that kind of life? Are we living in a place where though we are tortured, tortured and sleep deprived and hurt and distracted, and in sadness, sometimes we agonize. Though we are constantly faced with opposition, as every other Christian is, as every other child of God is, as Jesus warned the disciples they would be when he said to them, in this life, you will have tribulation. In this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. The Amplified goes on and says, I've taken away its power to heal you, to harm you. So the promise was we would have tribulation. And the promise was I'll be with you. The promise was that the enemy comes in like a flood. And the promise was the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. So we have promises. We have promised that the opposition will come and we have promised that we're more than conquerors. We're victorious through Christ who strengthens us. And where do we go from there? Sometimes I just play that song and I listen to it over and over and over again because it has that much meaning to me when God makes a promise. And I asked 
Sister Carolyn, uh, Sister Helena, if she would play it because of that. And in the middle of the song, one of the, the uh, preachers come in on a different version of the song and he begins to talk about all the things that I've just talked to you about, all the things that I've just said to you as we have looked at all of the times that God made promise, promises in just seven verses. He promised that we would inherit the promise. God made the promise to Abraham. He promised that we would obtain the promise. He promised that we'd be heirs of the promise. And then he promised that it's impossible for God to lie. And so the words of the song, I never said that I would give you silver or gold or that you would never feel the fire. Did y'all hear that? Or that you would never feel the fire or shiver in the cold. But I did say you'd never walk through this world alone. And I did say, don't make this world your home. I never said that fear wouldn't find you in the night or that loneliness was something you'd never have to fight. We fight loneliness, don't we? But I did say, I'd be right there by your side. And I did say, I'll always help you fight. Because you know I made a promise that I intend to keep. My grace will be sufficient in every time of need. My love will be the anchor that you can hold on to. This is the promise. This is the promise I made to you. I never said that friends would never turn their backs on you or that the world around you wouldn't see you as a fool. But I did say like me, you'll surely be despised. And I did say my ways confound the wise. I didn't say you'd never taste the bitter taste of death or have to walk through chilly Jordan to enter into rest. But I did say I'd be waiting right on the other side. And I did say I'll dry every tear you cry. Cause you know, I made a promise that I've prepared a place and someday sooner than you think you'll see me face to face and you'll sing with the angels and a countless multitude. This is the promise. This is the promise I've made to you. Those are the lyrics to the song that are sang by the Martins. And these, song, these words have simply been uttered to give you encouragement. They have simply been uttered to help you to see the, the reality of who God is. He doesn't tell us we aren't going through. In fact, the promise is to go through. He leads us through, in fact. He doesn't promise that we won't have the problems, but he promises that he's the problem solver. And so as we think about our theme today, faithfulness to God's people to faithfulness to God is faithfulness to God. Every time we're faithful to his people, God takes it personal. 
Jesus said, inasmuch as you've done it unto the least of these, my little ones, you've done it unto me. Some of you may never hear God call you to the ministry as we have heard. He may never have you prepare sermons, but I bet you he'll have you write letters to those who just need encouragement. I bet you he'll have you to send cards to those who need to be reminded that God is still God and he always keeps his promise. So just remember as you walk through the nights in fear, as you feel the fire or even feel the chilliness of the cold that sometimes is sent your way, God did indeed make a promise to us. He promised that hell can't separate us and that we're gonna make it through. This is the promise. This is the promise that God made to you and to me. God bless you. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.